In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Last weekend, two men were violently attacked and stabbed multiple times in front of several witnesses with two very different reactions. The first assault took place on Saturday afternoon in Washington, D.C. Philip Todd, a staffer for Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, was stabbed multiple times in broad daylight. The intervention of a friend, quick response from first responders, and emergency surgery saved his life. Todd's attack was random. He, seemed to be a, he seems to have been, been selected for no other reason than being at the wrong place at the wrong time. He is a man of privilege. He owns a position, holds a position of some power and was violently attacked for no reason. These stories capture our attention. They help sell papers and add time. They make us nervous because they needle at fears that sit just below the surface. As such, the story was picked up and widely shared by national news agencies, the New York Times, the Fox News, the Associated Press, and on and on. The second incident took place on Sunday night in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Rodney Green, a man experiencing homelessness, was stabbed multiple times on the porch of Christ Episcopal Church. Almost immediately, two men, Michael and Kevin, grabbed their phones to call 911. Two others got Rodney, who had jumped up to run away from his assailant, to sit and eventually lie down. Daryl and Sean applied pressure to his wounds for nearly 10 minutes before police responded. He was rushed to the medical center, life flighted to Nashville, and underwent emergency surgery, having had his life saved by Sean, Daryl, Kevin, and Michael. I have seen the video of the attack more times than I would like. And I can tell you that without a doubt, it was a targeted attack. Rodney and his attacker knew each other. They had been arguing earlier in the day. And the man came with only one thing in mind, to severely injure Rodney Green. Rodney is a man of no privilege. A black man who navigates life on the streets doesn't capture the attention of many. His story only appeared in an article about his attacker's arrest in the Daily News, cobbled together quickly from police reports and court documents. And as for the guys who saved his life, we may be the only ones who ever hear of their heroics. Violence of any kind grieves the heart of God. But what captures the attention of human beings isn't quite so simple. In the world of celebrity that is 21st century America, what happens to reality stars like the Kardashians, or social media influencers like the Cavender Twins, 
or the tangentially influential like a Senate staffer, Philip Todd, take up a disproportionate amount of our attention. Meanwhile, the stories of everyday people who are struggling through life often go unnoticed and untold. But I suppose that's not really new. Today, we mark the beginning of Holy Week, remembering the events that took place on the Sunday before Jesus died. There, too, two fairly similar events happened at about the same time. One was filled with power and privilege. The other was ragtag and would probably have been lost to history if it weren't for the gift of hindsight on the other side of Easter Day. The event that would have captured most of Jerusalem's attention took place on the western side of the city. The Roman governor Pontius Pilate was coming to town for Passover week. Every year, the governor gave up, gave up his cushy palace in Caesarea by the sea to come down and be present in Jerusalem for Passover, reminding the Jewish people with power and might that this year would not be the year that God saved them from their oppressors. Along the 60-mile journey from the Mediterranean coast to Jerusalem, Pilate riding a war horse would have led the procession followed by banner bearers and drummers and armed foot soldiers and the cavalry on horseback. The representative of the emperor Tiberius who proclaimed himself the son of God, Pilate came to make sure that the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, that was kept through the constant threat of violence, remained all through a week of supercharged emotions and religious fervor. As Pilate's parade entered Jerusalem, Jerusalem with pomp and circumstance, they would have met up with the Roman troops who were permanently stationed in Jerusalem, and crowds looked on with awe anxiety, and resentment. But meanwhile, on the eastern side of town, a much smaller parade was happening. Jesus was wrapping up his roughly 60-mile journey from the Mount of the Transfiguration south through Samaritan country and eventually into the city. He arrived not on a war horse, but on the back of a donkey and was met by a small crowd of his disciples who laid down their coats and palm branches, crying out, Hosanna, Lord, save us. This is the one that they had hoped to be the Son of God, the one that they hoped would save them from their enemies, came to town for the Passover. This son of God wasn't coming to bring violence, but rather to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah, who told the people that the king would arrive on a donkey and would cut off the chariot and the war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow would be cut off and the king shall command peace to the nations. 
two events happening at roughly the same time. One brings with it crowds, attention, and fanfare. The other is witnessed by a small cadre of outcasts who are desperately in search of hope. It's pretty obvious which one gets the attention. It seems to be human nature to pay attention to the things that the world tells us are important. We give our focus to politicians, to celebrity, to the rich and the powerful. I can't help but wonder if Jesus was here today, if we'd notice him at all. It just isn't in our DNA to pay attention to the outsider, let alone the person who calls us to love and care for the beggar, the refugee, the widow, the orphan, the weak, and the afraid. Jesus called on the powers that be to give up their privilege and care for the vulnerable and the powerless, and that made him an outcast, one that they hoped would just fade away into obscurity until one day it became abundantly clear that that would not happen. But more on that later this week. As we enter into enter with joy upon the contemplation of those mighty acts by which God incarnate in Jesus Christ has given us life and immortality, it would behoove us to pay attention to the kind of people with whom Jesus spent most of his time. He came not specifically to save the spiritually healthy, the powerful, or the privileged, but the sinner the powerless, and the disenfranchised. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to open our eyes to see those who live on the margins, the ones whom society would just as soon forget. And to remember that in Christ, all shall be made alive. In the cross, all are redeemed. And in the resurrection, the sin that separates us has been put to flight. As you walk with Jesus through the cross this week, keep your eyes open for the fullness of the humanity for which he died. Offer compassion to those in need. Celebrate those who go uncelebrated like Daryl, Sean, Michael, and Kevin. Follow Jesus's example of great humility by paying attention to the poor the persecuted, and the downtrodden. Because suffering with our neighbors is the way of the cross. And it is the very way of eternal life.